Hi guys, today I'm joined by Shane O'Leary. How's it going? Hey, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. So just to start things off, like I want to go over um, your sort of rugby career, like how you got into rugby and just like through all the details of what's led to where you are now. Okay, so um, born in Ireland, obviously growing up with the GA is obviously massive there. Um, but my dad would have always been big into rugby. He would have just liked it and wouldn't have uh, pushed us to play or anything. But I suppose kind of following after your big man um, kind of got into the rugby and then kind of, I suppose, like the physical, the physicality in it and kind of, I suppose, probably when you're younger, you kind of like the sports that you're better at anyway, you know, so I kind of excelled at it from a young age, like it was fairly dominant and kind of, I suppose, then as I got a bit older, other sports started to fall away. It was kind of an all-rounder and played everything. Um, they started falling away and stuck with the rugby um, and then once I started getting picked for rugby, rugby completely took over and everything else fell away um, and kind of, I suppose, just training load went up so started training multiple times a week um multiple teams um so there wasn't really time for anything else and i suppose as you get a bit older uh, recovery and stuff becomes more and more important um <clears throat> so that you can actually perform as opposed to just attending sessions and matches um so, so that's kind of how I, I started it really um and like i said it just kind of kept going and going and going then um until i suppose we're here now and i'm 29 not young fella <laughs> starting up anymore yeah and um like talk to me a little bit about um, when you started getting contracts um, and like were you expecting it um, that sort of thing um, yeah so I suppose the first time any contract talk came around was kind of I played Munster under 18s 19s 20s um, and then kind of I was hoping to get an academy spot or whatever in Munster and that didn't come around didn't get um, I suppose they weren't interested or whatever um, for me for academy or sub academy um, so I was in college in UL at the time and I had done a season or two at Young Munsters um, I moved in for, oh, I think, when I was under 19. Um, I kind of slotted in playing with the 21s, the seconds, and occasionally featuring for the firsts. Um, and Mike Prendergast was the coach there at the time. Um, and then, I suppose, I went away and played Canada U20. And when I came back from that, I'd already had a season or two with the Cookies um, in Limerick. And then uh, Prendy had, si had signed as a skills coach over with uh, Grenoble so then he kind of um, put me in touch with them um, and I went out on trial for a week and then they signed me up on a, a year academy contract there um, so I went out to Grenoble and played for a year um, so that was when I was 19 maybe I think um, so I suppose kind of we didn't get offered anything at home and I wasn't going to um, hang up the boots at that stage of the in terms of the professional uh, dream so I went out played there for a year and then came back and played to, uh, with Connacht for three seasons which was class as well so, so that's kind of when the first time contracts started coming around and before that it was kind of you're like I was training like a pro when I wasn't in when I didn't get picked for the academy in my first or second year. Um, I suppose like obviously those boys would be gym three and four times a week and doing their extra skill sessions. And I suppose I managed to emulate that on my own uh, with a couple of maybe the senior players and new monsters that maybe um, took their conditioning stuff um, a bit more serious. Like there was a couple of lads that popped to mind, Andrew Burke, uh, Lee Murphy, um, a couple of others as well. And kind of, I suppose I cracked on and kind of jumped in with their um, sessions um, and kind of just kept developing that way along with doing some extra skills on my Prendergast and playing maybe two or three matches every weekend. Like, so it was hectic enough. Um, and then when I got the opportunity to go to Grenoble, did well in the trial and signed up there. Um, so, so that was kind of how the whole professional uh, side of the game for me started, which is maybe not the route most travels but um it certainly has worked out for me so yeah that's class like a lot of um players i speak to um it seems in rugby like a lot of people can take different routes if, if you know what i mean 
Whereas I think in other sports, it's very like clear the paths. As in that 19 year old, 19 years old, you get a contract. Whereas rugby, there's lots of different routes. Um, I want to go into a bit about that um, Canada under 20s. Like, how did that come about? Um, um, so, and what was the whole experience? Yeah, so it was kind of, it, was, it actually kind of started out as a bit of a joke, like where I played kind of Munster 19s, 20s. Um, and then kind of my year in 20s with Munster didn't really go as like as I'd hoped kind of I was more on the bench kind of I actually didn't get picked for the, originally for the squad and then they brought me in from the first session and I was there for the whole thing being told oh, one more week training one more week training and then I ended up featuring all three of the games um, off the bench um, so that kind of didn't go as as I'd hoped it would um, and then I didn't get picked for the Irish 20s obviously off not off the back of that um, and then my dad said to me jokingly one day I was like oh maybe you'll go play for the Canada 20s obviously I was quite disappointed because my mom was born in Canada. Um, and then I kind of looked at him and I was like, oh, maybe, do they have a team? Like, maybe I will, maybe I will. And we looked into it a bit more and they did. Um, and there was a lad, Mike Shelley from Leeds, who was over there um, kind of coaching their 20s at the time. So made contact with them. Um, and then it all kind of transpired pretty quickly. Like we had one or two chats. Um, they asked me to prove that I was actually eligible to play for Canada, uh, which was a fair enough, good question uh, for a fellow with an Irish accent like um, so then managed to go out there and play with them and we played in the under 20 world trophy um, down in Chile in a place called Temuco um, which is very very south down in Chile um, so it was class um, and we lost the final uh, to Italy so we lost maybe 35-17 or something they pulled away a small bit at the end with one or two yellow cards um, but I think we completely overachieved in terms of it like you know um, uh, so it was class uh, it was a great experience we finished top point score in the world trophy so it was a nice little uh, pat in the back considering I, I hadn't be, I had uh, I suppose the feeling of rejection once or twice in Ireland um, to go away and do something like that and the team go well and personally go well it was kind of like a reminder that okay yeah right I'm actually I'm, I'm going to fucking chase this thing hard like you know I'm not just going to give up because one or two people's opinion on me was um, that they weren't interested or they didn't think that I could make it you know where I kind of had that self-belief in that sport network from home um, and kind of that bit of a chip on the shoulder I was kind of like well fuck you like you know I'm going to show you um, so I think it worked out well in the end so it was a it was class and then um obviously went to Grenoble after that um and then hooked up uh with the Canadian senior team a couple of years later so so it's been interesting right all coming from that I can imagine like that would seem as a bit of a turning point for you at that that, that age uh yeah it did like because obviously kind of in the middle of like the Monster 18s and 19s and I was there I was actually on the Monster 20s the year before and then when it came to the games I went back and played the Interpros with the 19s um, they had JJ Hanner and a few more boys coming back like that at that stage um, from the senior team to the 20s and then I was moved down which was grand um, and then the next year to not be picked at all it was kind of like a bit of a shock I was like oh Jesus Christ and that was the first time I'd like proper felt like I suppose that deflated rejection and then being brought back in the whole time even though I was told I was dropped and then trained every time I was like well I wasn't really dropped was I but anyway um, and then kind of not getting any look in from the academy even though I suppose hearing from people around me that they thought I might have and you know all that kind of stuff so then to go away and excel and go real well and kind of I suppose go into a really really good positive environment around it was um, was good and kind of gave me that kind of bit of a hunger and I was just like I'm just going to do whatever it takes now like you know it's not gonna, it might work out here at home but that's grand um, it's not really going to slow me down in terms of my ambition to, I suppose, have a professional rugby career. Like, um, and kind of like I said, that bit of a chip in the shoulder. And then, like I said, when you went well, it was like, oh, I can do this, right? Let's let's see where this can go, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and um, like, did Canada rugby fly you out everywhere, or like, were you having to pay for flights and like? Um, so they flew us out for that tour, all right? Yeah. So I think they wanted me to come out a bit earlier originally. Um, but I was playing games with you once at home and I was playing senior games. So instead of going out and playing a trial game for them, they kind of decided, okay, right, we'll send us on the video and we'll just make sure like you're going to be a decent level or whatever. 
Um, but the level of those games in the IL at home would have been a bit higher than probably some of those trial games anyway, um, playing against men and stuff. Um, so then they flew me out, right? Yeah. And then kind of the whole trip was you were in hotels or in kind of some kind of digs anyway. Um, and they looked after us really well. Um, and then flew me home again. I think I went out for was long enough anyway it was maybe six or seven weeks or eight weeks maybe um so and then they kind of it was a nice prep together and then we flew down um to Chile so it was class yeah what so what would you say to maybe 19 year olds 20 year olds who like were in the same position as you um and didn't get a contract and aren't where they want to be um but like still want to kick on with their rugby what would you say to them um, yeah, so like if they're if they're that keen to kick on with it, like I think kind of you have to kind of figure out kind of a, kind of a path for you, and it doesn't have to be the same as anyone else's. Like it doesn't really matter what way it is. You need to just put yourself out there in terms of looking for opportunities. Um, so whether that is moving far into play, whether it's trying to join a more ambitious club around you or a club that maybe has some contacts. Um, sure, there's lots of different routes as you alluded to earlier. Um, to I suppose make it, and yeah, you need a bit of luck as well. Um, but kind of I suppose when I hadn't been contracted by the 19s or, or by the Munster Academy or anything. I, my friend, the gas was obviously an up and coming aspiring coach who'd obviously been at Munster for years, like, and had a stint in France as well. And kind of out of all the teams in Limerick that I spoke to, he was kind of the, I suppose, the most ambitious that are, that, that came across to me as most ambitious and kind of, I could see like he had that fire in his belly to make it. So I kind of, that obviously had a big part of me wanting to join there. I suppose then that connection, like when he seen that I had the fire in my belly and I was willing to work my ass off and put in the, all that extra graft um, kind of outside of, I suppose, what was expected of me, you know, um, like never missing sessions, doing extra sessions, um, hounding him for kicking coaches and skills coaches and all that, even though it was an amateur, like I was just a college student and all my time was still going into my rugby. Um, so I think like you're going to have to work hard. Uh, you're going to have to kind of really put the head down and kind of not let them break your spirit like that. And I suppose you need to emulate kind of maybe what some of the academy boys are doing on your own um, as best as you can um, and kind of learn from people around you like that. Like I said, with Prendy and stuff and some of the other senior players that you monsters at the time. And then you just got to be willing to kind of take a chance like and kind of just say, fuck it, like I'm just going to give it a go. And if that, it does mean moving abroad or whatever, just pack up and kind of get on with it and see how it goes for you like you know and you're obviously nothing's guaranteed like but I think when you're when you dare to do things like that and put yourself out there and really try and chase it like good things come back to you you know if you're working hard so I think kind of that's kind of been the story of my career like you know yeah yeah definitely and like during that time um I really want to get into the detail of like what what exact stuff were you doing like what sort of drills were you doing um were you doing any like mental skills stuff like just everything um so I think kind of I didn't do too much mental part around the game I've done some I've done more of that kind of in more recent years um but at the time like I was seriously fueled seriously fueled by having that chip on my shoulder of the kind of like fuck you I'm going to show you type of thing you know so that kind of really kept me going like and then the more I trained and the more I was prepared to play games the more confidence I had so maybe I was doing mental but mental side of it but I wasn't really actually thinking about doing it you know but I was well prepared to play every game I was getting strong, I was getting fast, um, I was getting more skillful, I was honing, I suppose, my game management side of it, you know, by just playing, 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 playing. Like there would have been, I think I might have been 19 years old and I was probably, I was playing three games every weekend for all season, like, you know, which is, in terms of player welfare, probably not the best of things, but at the time, like I was young, I was keen I was full of mustard like you know and kind of I suppose that like helped me to develop very quickly because I've seen pictures I've seen images around what was happening in the game three times a weekend as opposed to once a weekend you know and also playing with men when you're young is kind of a big a big step up you know as a young fella like you kind of 
not everyone develops and I wouldn't be a particularly big man, you know, so kind of you're learning your way around that being a bit streetwise and stuff. Um, but I suppose in terms of it, like I would have been in college five days a week. And then on top of that, I would have been Jim and been probably doing another skill session on my own as well, as well as playing two or three games at the weekend. Like, so that's effectively living the life of a professional, you know, and thanks to my parents too, because I didn't, I hadn't had my license yet at that stage when I was 18. Like, so they would have been, drive me around the place like lunatics you know um so i think kind of and they always had that belief in me and always backed me you know and kind of kind of i suppose helped me out in any way they could and i and surrounded myself with other people so it's kind of living the life of a professional live the life of what you want to have kind of thing you know if you want to whether it's you want to drop 10 pounds how would a person that was 10 pounds lighter than you live or if you want to be a professional athlete how would that professional athlete live and then you kind of emulate that and then i suppose after a while you start being more like that and then like i said good things will come to people that are willing to I go out on the limb and take a bit of an opportunity and take a, a bit of a, a leap of faith um, while working hard. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like, um, I want to speak about like at the moment. There's obviously a lot of concern about um, player welfare, and rightly so. So obviously, like um, limiting the amount of contact time in training, the uh, number of minutes you can play. But when you're that age and you're playing like multiple games a week, um, obviously, it sounds like you think that was really important to your development. So, like. How important is it for young players just to like play a lot of games rather than just training the whole time? Um, yeah, so I think like obviously player welfare is massively important, you know, and there's obviously loads around the concussion and stuff now. Like, but I think kind of maybe three games a weekend isn't necessary, you know, kind of job like that. But I think playing rugby is absolutely vital, you know. So whether that means like you're a bit broken up and you need to miss a skill session on a Monday, but you're able to play again the following weekend, like that would be more important to me than that skill session, for example. Because um, like anyone can do skills when they're static or when it's slow, you know, but when you're in the heat at the moment and you're blown out your arse and there's a big massive lad coming up trying to kill you and you need to put the pass on the money life despite getting whacked, um, you want to get to do that from being in that situation, you know? Um, and yeah, skill sessions are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not, but I think ultimately you need to, you need to learn to be able to deal with that pressure of being able to perform under pressure by being in those pressure situations. If you're not in those situations, I don't know how you're going to, some people are, can just naturally deal with pressure, but other people, it takes what it takes time, you know, and playing as a young fella, like is that's how you develop is by game time. Like, you know, how many young players do you see coming through and then they're kind of on their bench for their province or whatever for four or five years. And then they're 26 all of a sudden and they've kind of, they might have had a couple of starts here and there, but they haven't really kicked on to what you thought they were going to be, you know, from after they played 20s or whatever, or they're in their academy, and you're like, this guy is going to be the next Irish 10 or the next Scottish 10 or whatever. And then he sits on the bench and kind of plays here and there. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, fuck, I thought he was going to be much better than that. But he hasn't played, so it's very hard to show what he can do, you know? So I think game time is essential, man. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so I want to go into a bit about your time in France. Um, how was that? How was it different to uh, stuff you'd experienced before? Um, and just how did you sort of deal with it all? Um, yeah, so it was, it was obviously a bit of a wild one the first time. I'm back in France now, coming to, towards the end of my second season. So I spent three seasons here now. I suppose my first time was a sure, complete whirlwind. Um, I rocked over, kind of, I went over not knowing where I was living, nothing like this, kind of just rocked up and was like, right, let's see what happens, kind of. Thing, you know, and I ended up living in um, the Centre Formation, Centre Formation. Uh, so it's like the academy building, basically. There was 40 blokes in there, uh, 37 French lads, me, the Irish boy, um, a Tongan fella who had very broken English and a Polish fella who had very broken English. So that was uh, an experience. Like, obviously, the foreigners kind of clicked together, you know, because we communicate a bit easier than with the Frenchies and I know French going over. 
would have been useful if I'd listened in my, all my French classes in school, but I never thought I'd use it, so I didn't. Um, and then I ended up living there a year later. I was like, oh, wonderful, Shane, fair play. Um, so kind of that was difficult, like getting used to that for the first few months. Like I found it very difficult. I think I packed my bag about three times, rang my dad. and was like, you need to book me a flight. I'm coming home, I'm coming home. It's like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. And he's like, come on now. <laughs> don't be so ridiculous, you know? Um, give it another two weeks I'll come up and visit you blah, blah. I was like alright grand dad came up and visit me you know kind of settle down again and then kind of after the three month mark you're like oh I can, I can actually understand some things now what's going on in meetings and what's the boys around me are saying you know and the club really good with French classes to be fair um, so that was good um, and then after kind of six months you're like oh I can speak a bit now and then after nine months you're like oh getting a bit confident here and at the end of the year I was like pretty decent at French um, and then then I left obviously came back um, but all the foreign players at that stage, like there would have been a load of Kiwis, um, Aussies, Safas, um, and they were all real good with me in terms of um, helping me out. I would have been training with the seniors the whole time, so they would have been real good. Um, and then there was a lot of Frenchies that were real sound as well, like, and they were obviously had a bit of English, so we kind of spoke between broken English and uh, whatever little bit of French I picked up. Um, so that was like the big thing was the language, mate. Like, you know, the rugby, I was keen as mustard to just train all the time anyway, so I'd basically been doing it, so it wasn't that much of a shock to the body. Um in terms of training load or anything but I think the big thing was just like getting used to the the language like even the culture like I'm happy enough to buy into anyone's culture you know we respect it and kind of I think you can learn lessons from all of it like you know one thing I like about the French is they greet everyone greets everyone so you all you instantly have that little bit of a connection with everyone which sometimes at home you can kind of miss you know you might play with lads for three or four years and you might say hello to them a handful of times you know kind of like I'm not crossing paths with necessarily the front row as a whole pile being a 10, you know, but when I come in every day and shake hands with them and say hello and you say, how was your weekend? You know, you kind of, you're not best mates, but at least you have a bit of a relationship in terms of that. So I think that's class. Um, so there's little bits and pieces like that, but I think you could just kind of, you got to be open to it and you got to buy into it. And if you don't buy into it, like, you know, then obviously they're not really going to buy into you too much, but I bought in and kind of, I suppose they bought into me then as well. And it was, it was good. So I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it as a year. Yeah. And what were the the like the biggest rugby specific things that you learned while in France? That the professional game is an awful lot faster um, than the amateur game. Way faster. Everyone's way bigger. Um, kind of, you don't necessarily need to be the star. Like you just need to be able to fit into it and kind of like at home in club rugby. Like I would have scored a lot of tries from ten. Like you know, just from being quick off the mark and kind of. Being able when we had from football, being able to pick lads off that wouldn't necessarily be as good. And then in the professional game, you try and if you carry too often, you're just going to get smoke. Like you know, people get used to it, kind of. And as a ten, you're nearly more of a facilitator than necessarily like a, you know, the big flary guy. Like you know, you put the other players in and you manage the team around the park. So that would have been a big part of what I learned there, um, and kind of I suppose just refining things. You know, of, yeah, I would have been able to do a two on one before, like you know, but now being like really clinical with it, kind of things like that, you know, getting better at passing, you're kicking like you can't have passes catching up here or behind you, you know, they got to be on the plate in front of you, like otherwise the game's so quick that that next guy's not going to be able to get a pass away. Someone will see that he's jumping to catch it, they'll, they'll come out of the line and smoke him. So just kind of, I suppose, that was like the big part of it, especially when I went in playing. Like I'd, be, I'd played with men in Ireland, but now all of a sudden now I'm playing with lads from South Africa that are 125 kilos and six foot seven. And I'm like, holy fucking Jesus, you boys are big. Um, do you know? So, and everyone's skillful. So that was kind of, I suppose, the big difference in terms of going from the amateur to going to the pro game. Are there any specific moments that stand out to you of like, um, where you were sort of, wow, this is different? Uh, probably when I made my debut um, for Grenoble in the Challenge Cup against Bayonne. 
and it was a bit of a weird one because like they had Joe Rocococo playing and Mike Phillips and I was just like oh my god like this is class and I was marking Mike Phillips I was playing in the centre I was playing 12 and Mike Phillips was um playing 12 across from me <laughs> I don't know why he was playing the centre and not at 9 and I was like wow and then the next week we played Wasps at home and James Haskell was playing and I was like Jesus Christ, like there's kind of it's play on here. You can kind of play against anyone now, you know. Um, if you can hold your own here, playing against the Wasps or Bayon, kind of why not? Let's see how far we can actually go and take it, I suppose, you know. Um, I suppose they were kind of the, the first big moments where I was like, whoa, right, let's go. <laughs> I'm a professional now, you know. No, you're not playing amateur rugby anymore. Um, so I suppose they were kind of the, the first big moments in terms of me being like, okay, right, here we are. Now we're at the races. And was there ever a game where things didn't really go to plan, like you had a terrible game or was it pretty smooth the whole way there? No, no it's definitely not. Like, especially playing with the under-23s here where there's like next to no English, you know, so it'll all be in French. I'm playing 10. I don't really know how to drive people around the park, like, you know, and then I ended up playing in centre more because at 10, like, it was just so hard to be able to drive around the park, especially like French rugby can be quite loose in terms of being unstructured and stuff. And when you don't have like the language and kind of, um, it wasn't really provided to me that well so it was very difficult until I kind of learned it you know um, so there would have been some games where lads were like Jesus why is this lad here do you know and you'd be like fuck do you know and you'd be like right just go back to basics just do what you do mate just stop caring so much and just have a bit of fun with it you know you've enjoyed your rugby before why does it need to be any different now um, kind of like that so there would have been many games like that especially with the other 23s but then with the pros it would have been easier because there was more foreigners around me so I could do more in English you know or even the pros the other French pros would have had a bit more English than a lot of the young fellas because they obviously would have played with a lot of foreign boys over the years um, so I used to find that I'd play better with the pros than the than the necessarily the, like the amateur the academy team um, but at the end obviously you get a bit better at it as you get more used to it and the style of people and the play around you it obviously gets a bit easier but yeah there would have been many games where I was feeling dejected afterwards out there but you just crack on it's part and parcel of it like you know you take the highs and the lows um, you're never really you've never really gone as badly as you might think and you've never really gone as good as you might think either you know you're probably somewhere in between them like you know so, um, so I think that's kind of probably a good lesson that I learned over the years yeah I can imagine that would be incredibly tough um a lot of the people I speak to really struggle with confidence and that's just when your whole team speaks English. So um, did you struggle with confidence at all while you were there like the first time? And um, how did you sort of deal with that? Um, yeah, you would a bit. I think kind of when you're, when you're so ignorant to the language, you don't really understand anything. It probably doesn't affect you as much. Um, you know, obviously you can tell from body language, but a lot of times people would have said things to me and I would have just been like, I don't know what you're saying. Fuck it, just crack on. Do you know, just right. Okay, I know I threw a bad pass there, right? The next one's got to be good. Do you know, oh, don't try something as audacious next time. Just make sure the next one is a really good action and try not to compound errors like that or whatever, do you know? Um, kind of, I think things like that. But then you come back and it's in English and you might understand a bit more, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, you don't want to compound an error. If you do something bad, do something solid next. It doesn't, you don't, if you throw a bad pass or an intercept, the next one doesn't have to be a, a try scoring pass you know it might be a short little two meter tip where you might give a good little pass on and you might clear the rock well you know and then boom you're back on a positive streak again um so i think things like that um and i would struggle with confidence a bit throughout my career but i suppose it's kind of just trying to take away the emotion from it and like you know you're a good player so what do you do in this situation whether if you're confident you pass that guy so just pass that guy how do you do it right you keep your chest nice and strong your core activated you point to your target and you do that and kind of take the emotion out of it a bit and trying to bring it back to being very process driven um i think anytime i would have struggled with confidence a bit it would have been more emotional thinking and sure 
when you're getting emotional, you can't think straight, you know, so you just take the emotion out of it and just take, just bring it back to process, 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 process. And then from sticking to the process, you get the byproduct of the process, which, you know, if you do the process well, it's going to be a good outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I want to go. So that first time in France, then what happened after that? So then I went back to Connacht Rugby in Ireland, um, in the West coast for three seasons. So I went back there, uh, spent some time there. Um, that was class. Obviously, that was a, probably a step up again in terms of it, you know, kind of coming back home. It was good. I suppose having been rejected by Munster and Connacht and it originally hadn't taken me into their academy as well once I'd reached out because um, I would have crossed paths with some of their coaches, maybe like at under 18 trial camps and stuff. So I would have contacted them. They weren't keen. And then to come back on a, a development contract, essentially a professional contract was was class like, you know, it was a... Uh, a good feeling kind of come back in there into that setup kind of you know playing with Lazic Robbie Henshaw John Muldoon kind of crossing paths with people like this was uh was like a big step up again you know um and everything was in English so kind of you didn't really have that as an excuse anymore um so that was a, a, a good three years I learned an awful awful lot there um um I suppose yeah and played a bit as well so it was good it's good fun good learning experience yeah so what like small details of your game um really improved while you're there like is there any sort of small things that stick out to you? Like, oh, I think um, so. absolutely every, yeah, absolutely everything. I'd say like I, I went from being like probably an okay athlete to being like quite a good athlete um, in terms of how much muscle I had, strength, size, speed, power. Um, all those things were looked after a lot. Um, in terms of my under my understanding of the game, it was a lot more detailed. When I came back to Ireland and in France, like in France, it was kind of like a bit kind of uh, flary. Came back to Ireland, like everything was detailed down to the nines, you know, like even how you passed, like make sure that you had good technique and stuff. And I did an awful lot of work with um, Dave Ellis and Andre Bell, two of the skills coach, our backs coach and skills coach. Um, so that was class. Um, Pat Lamb was the coach. So obviously he's a, a bit of a rugby genius. Um, so I would have learned an awful lot from him. Um, so I kind of my understanding of the game, along with I became a far, far better player. Uh, once I come back to Ireland um, so I think kind of all aspects of my game improved massively um, in terms of I suppose the how uh, how nitty gritty and how like picky they are about the detail in Ireland was a massive eye-opening thing to me where I would learn things that I never would have thought about before you know um, so I think that was that was a massive learning curve but one that I relished and absolutely loved and sometimes find it difficult now when things aren't as detailed as that where I'm like like we could be so much better if we were more detailed in this way, if we we're more detailed in that way. It kind of takes the the talent out of it to an element, you know. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was kind of I would have learned an awful lot in kind of in all aspects of my game. How was what was it like being coached by Pat Lamb? Um, what did he do differently to other coaches that you had? Like I said, just so, so detailed in everything. Like, you know, we'd have set plays of five or six phases. And then after that, like kind of wherever you were in the field, you'd know exactly where you were going. Sometimes I think maybe it was too structured um, where we were maybe a bit predictable, but I think kind of being the structure that we were maybe without as many superstars as other teams kind of allowed us to create opportunities as a unit and as a team. Um, and kind of, I suppose then I really learned the, I suppose, to understand what teamwork was as opposed to, like I said, you don't necessarily need to be an individual. You just need to make sure that you do your job well and trust that the guys around you are going to do their job well. Um, that would have been like one of the biggest things I suppose I would have learned from him. And then kind of, like I said, like thinking about rugby completely differently, like from how I carry to how I present the ball to how I kick to how I run to how to recognize opportunities that might be there that I wouldn't have known how to see before. And I would have maybe just gone there because I thought it was the right thing as opposed to actually understanding why it was the right thing, you know? 
yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about him, just like um, the way he deals with players as well. Like, um, what were sort of your conversations like with him, um, and how did he deal with you as a as like a personality, as an individual? Um, I, I never would have been probably one of his like his first choices in my three years there. You know, so obviously he was a bit closer with them. Um, but I think like he kind of he challenged players to kind of you go to him and be like oh what do I need to do to get in the team he's like well, well you you tell me what you think you need to do kind of and he'd make you go away and look at video and then you come back and then he'd give you feedback that way so he would have pushed you like that um, in terms of like one-to-one management probably didn't speak to him as much as maybe I would have liked but I think kind of you know he's obviously a bit more preoccupied with let's say his first choice boys and stuff um, which is kind of normal within a squad like John the coach can't be best friends with everyone, um, which is fine, but I still would have picked up an awful, awful lot often. Um, so I suppose it was, I would see that as a massive success in terms of my, where my career went and kind of how much I learned was definitely, the trade-off was definitely better in, in terms of for me. Yeah. So um, then after that, I'm guessing you went straight back to France? No. So after that, then I went to Ealing in London. So I spent a season in Ealing and then a season in Nottingham. Or two seasons in Nottingham, sorry. So I was in um, the UK for three seasons um, in the championship. And then after that, I came back to the Pro D2 in France. All right. So um, talk to me about then playing in the champ rugby um, and that sort of just whole experience. Um, Yeah, I think it was really good as well. It's probably some of the rugby I've enjoyed the most in my career. So I came from Connacht where I kind of, I was playing a bit of club rugby, playing a small bit for the pros as well. Like, you know, kind of averaging eight or nine games a year kind of job. Um, And then kind of, to come to England and uh, actually after Connacht I actually went and made my debut for Canada and then after that on the back of that I signed for Ealing in England um, and then kind of playing and starting to play every game um, you know it was class I was 24 maybe and hungry to play rugby and then all of a sudden I'm playing rugby all the time which is brilliant um, so I relished that um, I suppose kind of learn and then you're playing so often a professional that you're learning to be consistent and kind of back it up week in week out kind of things like that as opposed to being like getting really hyped up for one game maybe every three or four weeks now you've got to do it every week um so that would have been class um and then Ealing were obviously very ambitious um and Nottingham had a lovely style of play where I was probably quite a leader within I suppose the attack group and stuff like that which was great so I got to put some more of my ideas onto the pitch and the coaches um he really backed me in terms of that um we would have had some good conversations so I think I look back to my time in England as a massive success as well. So I learned a lot again. Um, so it was class. Did you notice it was a big step down in rugby um, from where you'd been before? Um, I think the thing in uh, top level rugby is everybody's quite good. Yeah, so I think in terms of in the UK, kind of, um, there's probably more lads in, sorry, not in the UK, but in the championship, there's probably more lads with a bit more X factor in the top level, but the standard across the the board in the championship is quite good as well. Like, you know, like I'm not like, obviously Connacht would be the champ teams, but it like, but the champ teams are still very good. Kind of, there's probably not as much structure. You know, you have some boys that are in uni playing, you know, they might necessarily be full time or the squads might be smaller. The, the cash is obviously a lot less, but you have a lot of boys that work very hard in the champ. Um, and there's an awful lot of boys that could easily make the step up as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time in the champ and I think I definitely progressed as a player there as well. Um, kind of going from more kind of that squad player to kind of a, first choice starting player do you know um i just want to backtrack a little bit before we go further um when you you weren't that first choice player um how did you deal with that mentally because obviously a lot of people have to deal with that 
Um, yeah, it's difficult. I suppose I was quite young at the time. Like, you know, I came back to Connacht at 21, I think. Um, so in my head, it was just graft, 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 the same as I'd been beforehand. Like, you know, right, you're not getting paid for right. What you need to do to get paid for right? You need to get better. Love the grind. Love working hard. Uh, more and more like that and I think it's only once you start getting picked a bit that when you're not picked it's harder you know before that I was kind of like right I need to prove myself here earn my stripes and then anytime my career hasn't been going well I just go back to I suppose what got me up and going in the first place which is just working my bollocks off you know and just working harder 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 um, obviously you can't just fucking train all the time you know so there's got to be a certain amount of mental rep repetition and stuff in it as well um, and being smart with your training but I think ultimately like if you're not working hard like you know you're leaving you're leaving opportunities out there and then obviously I would have played a bit more um, and that was great like you know um, and it would have been off the back of my hard work Would you speak to coaches much about what you needed to do or did you just were you more like I'll just work and they'll come um, Yeah yeah I would so like the back coach and sales coach would have been real helpful in that and they would have done lots of extra sessions with me with obviously me off the back of me asking like for kicking sessions and then I suppose kind of the consistency of actually putting in the reps and doing the training on the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again, you obviously get better at it, you know? So it would have gone from being maybe like a small bit inconsistent to becoming much, much more consistent. And then once you're consistent, there's no worries, you know? It's um, it's much easier to kind of, I suppose, for them to have confidence in you. So like I, I would have gone from maybe kicking six balls really well out of 10 to kicking nine or 10 balls really well out of 10, you know? And then all of a sudden you're you're flying it. I would have thrown four good passes and then a bad pass. And then all of a sudden I've gone to eight or nine good passes in a row before maybe one that was maybe not as bad as before um so yeah so I, i'd always go to them and then you'd obviously you'd know yourself if things weren't going well you know you need to work on that a bit but i think kind of the work across the board was kind of right you need to get better at everything so head down and just get working you know make sure you plan your week out so you know that you're when you're doing stuff so that you're sure that you're going to be improving as opposed to just guessing and saying oh, i'll do a bit of this today oh, i'll do a bit of that today um do you know so i think that was a that was probably the big the biggest thing that I did well in terms of making sure I improved was being prepared kind of knowing right needs improving this right this is something I'm going to do it right let's do it yeah yeah so um after the champ then um you went back to France correct yeah um cool. and I'm coming to the end of my second year in Rouen now so cool um so how has that been um how did how has your rugby progressed like just really get into the detail of it um yeah so I think kind of I came back here again and I actually found the transition back to French rugby quite difficult again um probably being knowing a lot more about the game coming back now and then seeing how loose it was and kind of it wasn't very organized and I suppose that kind of irked me a bit at the start in terms of getting frustrated that people probably weren't on the same page as me or the same kind of uh wavelength as me you know um and kind of learning to be able to play that kind of not that I wasn't able to play the unstructured game but you know kind of just being able to adapt that bit quicker on the hoof kind of, you know, where you, you're expecting two or three people to be outside you and you look up and there's no one and you're like, okay, right, we've got to go back the other way. Kind of. So I think kind of, I'm still, I'm probably still getting used to that. Like this year has been a disaster. I've been injured all season. Um, so I think I played like a hundred minutes total this season. So it's been shite. Um, but last season I would have played a lot. I think I played 26 games and kind of just figuring out kind of how to make the most out of the current situation that you're in on the field, as opposed to, like being able to like reading the defense, I kind of had to read the attack of where we were as well and the defense and then trying to choose the best option as opposed to just being able to see the defense and coming from such structure rugby known, all right, I should, I'll have these people here and then you can just attack better from seeing what's on in the D. Um, so I think that was a, that was probably a big learning. Um, again, you know, which challenged me again, which wasn't easy all the time, like, you know, confidence was up and down and stuff. 
Um, but then, like I said, you just go back to working hard and kind of just focusing on yourself and making sure that you're doing your stuff good. Um, and then you kind of, you make that progress again and kind of drive on again. How have you dealt with being injured this season? Um, uh, how hard did you find it? Uh, it's been up and down, yeah. Like a proper struggle at sometimes with it. Um, I think kind of having the coaching outside of it and having my missus here as well and stuff has all been good for me and the support of my family. Um, and it's been tough though. Like you kind of, you know, I got injured the week of the first preseason game. So I'd done a lot of the hard work in preseason and then kind of broke down a small bit during the week, strapped up my legs and kind of managed to get through the first game. And came back and my doctors went again. So that was a bit crap. Um, and then kind of since then, I haven't, I've just been out. And then I got an operation in February, which is months and months and months after being injured, um, which was frustrating. Um, and I suppose I'm coming towards the end of my rehab now, which is good. So I'm back running and stuff again, changing direction, which is all great. Um, but yeah, it's been up and down, mate. Like it hasn't been straightforward at all. Like you know, anyone who says it's straightforward is not telling the truth, you know. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've struggled at times, but I think kind of the ultimate goal of just trying to get back on the field and I know I'm going to be happier when I'm on it, you know, has kind of kept me going. And then, like I said, anytime in my career things have gone a bit AWOL or not as planned, just go back to the hard work again and kind of make sure I'm doing that and crack on with that again, you know, which is kind of what I just gone back to. So I'm like, right, I'm just going to absolutely dive, dive into this rehab, make sure I'm doing absolutely everything to get better. And then once I'm better, I'm going to hit the ground running and I'm going to, I suppose, show people again what I'm able to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to go into a bit about the coaching you do at the moment. Um, like, how did that sort of start? And um, yeah, just sort of like, what do you do? Uh, yeah, so I, I was doing a bit of study in UL back before in exercise and health fitness. Um, kind of, I've always really enjoyed it, especially as a young fella, kind of learning, you know, all right, oh, this makes me stronger. Oh, yeah, I'm getting better. You know, oh, why am I getting better? Oh, because I'm working with people that are stronger than me and they're pushing me to lift more each week. Oh, geez, I'm putting on muscle. Oh, this is class. Oh, I'm getting faster. You know, kind of things like that. That always intrigued me. So then when I did that in uni for two years, that was great. Um, and then I went off to France and kind of always had a keen eye on it. Like, you know, I'm always really interested in, well, why am I moving like this? Or why does this hurt? Or why doesn't this hurt? So on and so forth like that. And then I've done a bit of extra study with Santa College, which is a strength and conditioning college online. Um, and kind of, I would have always had like people coming to me asking questions and stuff. And I loved helping them. Um, whether it was to lose a bit of weight or to get a bit stronger, to get a bit faster, improve this, improve that. And I've always loved that. And I'd always try and help the younger players around me, whether it's with technique or whether on the field or whatever. So I kind of liked helping people. Um, so then kind of, I suppose it was, it was probably at the end of last season, kind of, I had the idea for years, you know, and I'd done a bit of coaching, like with kind of family members and friends and stuff. And then I was like, Fuck, I think I could actually be really good at this, you know, and then did quite a bit throughout lockdown with people around me, like my family or like, um, anyone that would have been in my training pods or whatever, you know, during the lockdown and the confinement. So kind of did more coaching there. Like I'd be running things at home and stuff and kind of everyone was making good progress. And I was like, I, I really like doing this, you know? Um, so, right. I'm going to look into doing it a bit more. So um, started building out my systems and stuff in terms of how, how it would look and how it would work. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going really well now. I've got maybe 12, 15 clients on the books. Um, and everyone's making great progress. Everyone's enjoying the process and we're refining it all the time, getting better at coaching, getting better at how the system works so it's smoother for the client experience. Um, and yeah, it's going really well. I'm really, really enjoying it. And it's been great to have this year kind of outside of the rugby so that I have other things to focus on rather than feeling sorry for myself because I'm sore. I'm like, oh, well, I've actually got these people that I need to look after as well to make sure I'm doing that. So, yeah, no, so it's been, it's been great, mate. I'm really enjoying it. 
Yeah, that's that's so cool. So um, for anyone listening, where should they go if they sort of want to learn more about um, working with you? Uh, so check me out on Instagram at Shane O'Leary 10. Um, you'll see on my profile there, there's lots of tips and stuff on my homepage. Um, and my DMs are always open if you have any questions, if you want to drop in. Um, and then Coached by Saul on Facebook as well. Um, you'll catch me there. So they're probably the two best places um, to find me at the moment. Cool. So sh- should they just send you a message if um, they want to get started? Yeah, so you just uh, shoot, shoot, slide into the DMs, uh, slide on in there, um, and we'll have a little chat about where you're at, kind of where you want to go. Um, if if I think we're a good fit to work together, I can't work with everyone. Um, so obviously, people's personalities won't go together. Sometimes people will want to do things that I I don't do or I'm not I'm not qualified to do, and then you refer out to other people. Um, but for anyone that's I suppose looking to get in better shape, get a bit stronger, faster, if you're looking to kick on with your sport a little bit. Um, while also not being a boring fucker and having a bit of a life, you know, um, kind of that's kind of the mix of what I like to do. Um, I think everyone is an athlete and I think everyone can be more athletic without necessarily having to be a professional athlete. So, so that's kind of the mantra I take, you know, in terms of, well, I can make you more athletic, even if you're 20 stone overweight or if you're 10 stone underweight or whatever you are, you know, we can get you to be more athletic than where you are. And it's kind of looking at where you're at and then improving on where you're at without looking at, oh, well, he can do this and she can do that. You know, that's not important. It's just about improving where you're at at the moment. And everything is tailored very, very specifically towards, um, I suppose, improving you where you're at. Cool. Um, but mate, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really great to speak. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening has found this very helpful. Yeah, no worries, mate. It's a good chat. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. So, cheers.